everybody, and welcome to our podcast. This is episode one of uh, Yappin' and Snackin', where we do a little yappin', we do a little bit of snackin' about life and all the goings-ons in the world. Everything that makes everything that makes everything <laughs> awesome. And I'm Mike. Yes. Welcome in. Hello. 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 And uh, today, I think our, our first topic, uh, Mike and I have noticed quite a bit of 90s nostalgia <laughs> hopping right on back into 2022. It feels like a bit of a time loop for us. We live in a space-time continuum. It is 2002. <laughs> no one can convince me otherwise. It's 20 years ago right now. And I mean, I think we're seeing it everywhere in our entertainment we're seeing it in music we're seeing it in fashion we're seeing it in tv and if you've seen you know stranger things or never have i ever or uh, a lot of the other sex education there's a lot of tv shows out there whether they're set in the 80s and 90s or not um like obviously stranger things is set in the 80s but some of the other shows like never have i ever or sex education they're set modern day but it feels like they're straight out of the 90s both fashion and sort of like culture wise and they really do. Absolutely, 100%. That's what it feels like to me, too. Part of that to, like, the fact that the writers and creators grew up in the 90s, so they're probably kind of rehashing some of their childhood. Absolutely. In, in their writing. So I think that's part of why we're seeing that. But we're seeing it in music, too. I mean, a lot of artists can, that were popular in the early 2000s can, have released new music. Can, can I play something for you? In, sure. in in thoughts of that, Absolutely. let's. I'm gonna take a bite of my snack for today. I thought since we're talking '90s nostalgia, I'll throw it back with like one of my favorite childhood snacks, which is like some bread and butter. Ooh. <laughs> we don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, case in point number one right here. This is a song by a band that was big in the early 2000s. And if you haven't recognized it yet, you have issues. The fact that Nickelback has a slapper, ladies and gentlemen, leads me to believe this is my first proof of evidence that we are stuck in a space-time continuum. The fact, yeah. the fact that Nickelback has a hit song, and it's going to be a hit. There's no doubt about it. Is my first so, piece. Well, of I think that Nickelback wouldn't have been allowed to come back without a hit song. You know what I mean? Like if they were going to grace our presence again, like it's they were going to do it with a banger. Oh, absolutely. A hundred. I don't know when it. I don't really remember when, why, or how it became cool to hate on Nickelback, but it did seem like a collective. I think sort of like the word moist. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just decided that we hated Nickelback. It, it just was good. It literally just happened. Like one day, all of a sudden, I was in college. I was listening to Nickelback, and everybody was like, "No, this isn't cool. This isn't what we wanted, man." And I go, "What do you mean? We've been listening to this forever. I've been requesting this song for years." No, this song sucks, dude. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know if it was the uh, if everyone cared album. I think that's really where like it was. It was cheesy. But in all the wrong ways. Oh, yeah. And it had Photograph. <laughs> and it had Far Away. And, like, all of the songs that really weren't Nickelback's thing. Oh, absolutely. But where was it the Spider-Man soundtrack? No, that song was where actually... Was fan no, 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 no. Chad Kroger and What's-His-Name from Saliva doing that song. That was a fantastic piece because of I art. Because I like that. 
don't, like that song too. Don't you don't but you I, wish that upon those two gentlemen? Those two gentlemen, that was an amazing song. I know. Look, the Spider-Man soundtrack had some bangers because if you remember correctly, Dashboard Confessionals Vindicated was also on the oh, Spider-Man soundtrack. Goodness gracious. <laughs> That's, I, I think, the I only think... Dashboard Confessional song that I know. I think it's actually on two or three of my playlists still to this very day. It was so funny because I actually, side note, completely, un- well, not completely unrelated, but, like, personal little tidbit here. My friends and I went to a concert. We went to see the Struts. They were headlining. But guess who was also there? Dashboard Confessional. And Vindicated <laughs> is, like, the one song that everyone knows. But my friend that we were with, like, she knew every single song biggest dashboard confessional fan ever i knew a couple others in there stolen was another big one that i liked (coughs) no literally i think vindicated (laughs) is the only song that i knew that's what happens when you're trying to drink water during a podcast it just goes down the wrong fizzy water too goes down the wrong pipe um happens i you know and then you look at where we are just musically yeah and it feels like every song that you hear on radio right now has some sort of component that goes back to the 90s. And you it's do, and amazing. I think whether it's samples, I mean, we were just talking about David Guetta, I was, new song. You know what? I actually had you in, in mind because I was about to play it, except if I can find <laughs> the right version, you know? That's the problem. Like, yes. you have to find the right version of the song. Yeah, but that's one that is sampling, you know. Right. You know, I'm blue. The blue man blue. Remember that movie, Big Fat Liar? Where Absolutely. The guy says, I half the, he spends half the movie. Um, yeah, a lot of blues, blues, a lot of blues. Here's here's the song for you. It takes me away for a night, baby, and I know I'm good. Yeah, I'm feeling alright. It's a huge hit already. Like you're making magic with already magic. You're like, what if we took something really great and just it remained really great? Like, I feel like that's, and we're seeing a lot of songs being sampled from the 90s. And I mean, we saw it in the 90s too, where I feel like 90s music, I mean, take Shaggy's Angel. That samples like three Shorty, songs at you're once. you're my angel. You're my darling you angel. angel. Joker is in there on the bass beat. It's da 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 Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, there's like three, and every time I listen to it, I'm like, wait a second. But I love that song. Loved it. It's, it's a great song. Over underrated song. Very underrated. It really song. is. I'm a big Shaggy fan. I can tell. So, how many songs on your current playlist are from the '90s? Do you think, or well, the 2000s? '90s, early 2000s. Let's let's park where we're going to talk about because there's another. There's a few other yeah. people that we need to talk about from this nostalgia era. As we were discussing. Oh, absolutely. Um, on my Party Jams playlist, it's probably heavily made up of early 2000s, 90s artists. I mean, you got your Britney, your Christina, the boy bands, the classics that our age group likes to jam out to that makes it a party. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I think there's one playlist that is literally 90s and early 2000s, and it like every once in a while, <clears throat> a current song sneaks into it. Probably because Kendra, yeah. my wife, has added it to the playlist because she's like, this is a great song. And I'm like, this playlist was supposed to be nostalgia. This is my childhood. I don't care. I want to yeah, hear WAP. I think the reason I added some uh, newer pop artists was because, and it's only a few, 
It's because I was at a family gathering and like I have some younger cousins. <laughs> and it had dawned on me that they were not jamming out quite the same way. And I was oh, like, no. oh no. Oh no. Like, oh no. Have we we've crossed that line. <laughs> yeah, but I think so many of us who whether we knew it or not, we're just sort of victims of the 90s era and just growing up in the early 2000s, victims of diet culture and body image and honestly, a lot of sexism too. And yes, races, like, there, was, there were a lot of isms that were still happening in the media that we were like, yeah, this is normal. I mean, I, think I mean, take seeing, I think the, the, the seeing the Britney Spears documentary, I think that really like kickstarted this. 90s nostalgia time loop well, revolution. Well, that's healing. That and the fact that she's back to where she was. She's trying to get back to the top. She is trying to get back to the top. And I feel bad because I have the sneaking suspicion that the public is going to be just as unkind to her this time around as they were before. Not her fans, but I think the people in the first place who were there. I mean, and when you look back, I mean, Britney's mental breakdown she was in her early 20s and essentially you had a nation of adults picking on a on a young girl on a young woman her whole career mm -hmm. a little girl yes. into a, a young woman and they were never gonna take her seriously so i think it's been healing for us yes. to see her try to shine and free herself my fear the reason why i think that she's gonna get just as much backlash as she did before is mm -hmm. because i think with the conservatorship all these years later mentally she's still 19 you know she she hasn't socialized home, properly home, she's never had a chance to grow up homegirl ain't 19 she's 16 and she just found instagram for the first time right let's so be she's posting these nudes and these weird videos that you know they seem on brand for a teenager with a bunch of freedom because yes. i think mentally that's where she's at she's a teenager who just got her freedom because she spent all those years not actually growing up because she couldn't and nothing was in her control. Nothing was in her control. I'm pretty and sure so I, there was this one post. I'm going to try to find it right now. Yeah, go for where, it. Um, and if you're watching this back on YouTube, you'll know what we're talking about. By the way, we're not only going to be an audio podcast, but we are also going to be a visual podcast as well. Yes. So. so you can join us. Also, by the way, the snacking part of Yappin' and Snackin', please feel free to grab your snacks and snack alongside us. Whatever your favorite after school favorite was. But there's always this this thing about Britney and everybody's like, she was so sexualized in the 90s and blah, 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 and yada, 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 in the early 2000s. And then you look at some of the things that she she's posting now on social media, on on Instagram. And it's insane. So I've actually pulled it up here. Hold on. So when you look at this, I mean, look right here. There, there's one. There's a nude. Yep. There's another one where she's sunbathing without a top on. And she lets yeah. you know about it, too. That's the other thing. So, oh, yeah. so what's the difference between all of this that's on the screen where she's, you know, flaunted? Well, she always flaunted it, but that's because she was taught to flaunt it. Let's also be honest yeah. about that. This girl was Miss Conservative 101. A lot of people don't yeah. realize that. But she was like a good a goody southern Christian girl from I want to say Mississippi. I mean, I mean I mean there I mean there's Miss Ho Ho right there. And I'm not <laughs> saying that in a in a bad way. But No. But 
then you look at like other Instagrammers who Instagram less than or more than that, like with more clothing yeah. on, and they get banned. And oh, yep. wait, oh, Brittany gets a pass. She had such a traumatic childhood. <laughs> and I feel like that there's a she double did, sta- there's a double standard here though. There really is a double standard. There is a double standard, and I think honestly. I think most child stars did live a traumatic childhood unless they wanted to be there themselves. Like, unless they chose like, Oh my gosh, singing, acting, that is the career for me. And I love it. I think a lot of child stars got abused by their parents and Hollywood because I mean, take Britney, for example, and the sexualization of her, uh, it wasn't, she didn't put herself in that Catholic schoolgirl uniform. No, no, she didn't. Like she didn't, she didn't do that. And I always just, I think of that Barbara Walters interview where Barbara Walters tells her that she was like, moms are saying that you deserve to die, basically. And, and that's horrible. Why would you tell a 16-year-old girl there are mothers out there saying that about her? Not to mention, if you're a mom, like, what's your, I, I, I kind of drives me crazy when parents look at pop stars and they're like, well, they're such a bad influence on, on kids. And it's like, well, it's your job to guide them what you deem good and bad influences like Britney Spears doesn't really care what like she doesn't care that you think she's a bad babysitter like she's not babysitting your kids it's not her job no. and 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 she <laughs> and, and, and honestly at that point she doesn't know the influence that she's having on Americana she has absolutely right. no idea maybe no okay. she doesn't know that denim on denim is going to be amazing oh thank everybody you. will be entranced thank in you. the denim on denim thank you for bringing it up let's let's go straight to the next topic then <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let's go to the next topic, which is 90s fashion. Oh, Lord. Sure, yeah. Oh, Lord. Look at and this I th- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think one, some of the charm of 90s and especially early thousands or early 2000s red carpet fashion is its own spectacular moment in time. Because I think for younger stars and starlets, they actually got to look like kids on the red carpet. I mean, they got to wear silly what? denim outfits. <laughs> I mean, what are they thinking? What is that? What is that? What, what are they thinking? Like, <laughs> like Brittany actually looks cute there. She does. I don't know what JT's got going on. I, that I, hat. I, I, I don't know if the suit wants to be a tuxedo. A denim tuxedo or <laughs> or if it's the jute. The jute. Jeez. Jeez, Louise. Oh, I didn't know that this happened. I didn't know that Katy Perry went for it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was iconic. It's an iconic look. Uh, People have tried to recreate it, but nobody does it like Bris- like uh, Britney and Justin. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. incredible. Look at this. But I think, like, I yeah, mean, some of the charm of the early aughts was they got to look like kids. I mean, like, they got to wear these silly layers and scarves and things that uh, adults should never wear. What What is Cisco wearing? <laughs> what is Cisco wearing? <laughs> he has, like... Is that Ashley Tisdale on the, on the corner there? Which one? I can't tell from this here. One? Like, towards the bottom. No. Uh, this one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that is, is her. And, look, and she's... Look at you. She's a teenager. And she is dressed like a teenager, where I feel like a lot of times now, like the red carpet was much more casual for teenagers back then. I mean, and I feel like now, look at the Stranger Things cast. Every time they've made an appearance, they've been dressed up way more sophisticated and way older than they ever were. But I think when you look at like look at this. TikTok fashion, because when I scroll through TikTok, I do see a lot of like outfits and fashion. Yeah. That, like that, the, the tiny tops and my feet. 
fear is that the low-rise jeans are going to come back into fashion. And this <laughs> has been the millennial fear on TikTok as we slowly watched Y2K come back around with, like, the fuzzy tops and the, like, you remember those, like, fuzzy pens? Like, a lot of girls dressed like those fuzzy pens in the early 2000s, you know? Like, it was everything was pink, everything was poofy. Think Legally Blonde. Everything was Elle Woods. Oh, no. I do remember that movie. I get to watch that movie all the time when it's on TV. Don't it's you a worry. Fantastic movie. Don't you worry. And not by choice. Everybody should watch. Not by choice. Oh, but it should be by choice. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. No. Yes, it is. It's it's a great movie, and I'm okay with watching something a couple times. Don't get me wrong. It's the couple hundred yes, that you start yes. to lose interest. Yes, that's fair. But I can think that Legally Blonde is a great comfort movie. But I think that's sort of the fashion that's coming back around is very Elwood's like almost a caricature of whatever profession it is that you want to do in like unapologetic girly fashion, which I think the 2000s was really all about. Like for the first time we started to kind of see this girls rule, boys drool (laughs) slogans passed around. We really did though. I feel like there was a lot of, uh, of that idea kind of like you'd see it on t-shirts and you'd see it in movies. And all of a sudden we were really starting to see this sort of stylized girl power which was great, which was, which was great and all. Absolutely it was, but I don't think it, it was still very superficial at the time. And I think it was, it was super, it was girls super power so that they could control what we're eating and they can control how we look because they were like, was, cause they always pushed the whole, Oh, let's, let's that you want to, if you want to be a super girl, you got to dress like this or you've got to be super yeah. skinny. And then there's the body dysmorphia that happened all through our childhood. Yes, and I think that's where our fear of the low-rise jeans is coming in for the generation behind us. We're like, you, it sounds stupid, it sounds so silly, but we, a whole generation, was traumatized by low-rise jeans. We were. <laughs> because you had huge stars of the time. I mean, like, look at Drew Barrymore. She was the it girl of the it girls. Yes. And she was considered chubby. People were like, mm, Drew Barrymore, she's kind of fat for me. And you'd be like, what? And it's because heroin chic, literally the body type called heroin chic because of Kate Moss, Mm -hmm. was in. And everybody was striving for that. And diet culture was everywhere. Everyone's parents was on a slim fast diet. Every commercial had Weight Watchers. Every joke in the movies involved some sort of diet related scene in chick flicks. And it was everywhere. You, You couldn't escape it. Kate Winslet was called fat after Titanic. And you were like... She looks like a healthy, normal human being to me. But every time I sit down, and you know, like when you sit down and your thighs expand, like that still haunts us to this day. It absolutely does uh, for me. Every time, every time I sit down, I pray (laughs) that my pants don't rip. (laughs) But like, I think just that image of like when you sit down and your thighs just naturally spread out because that's what bodies do. Because. It's just what bodies do. Or, 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 like, or, oh my God, I or, look fat. Or, or when anybody sits down and they're super thin and they're like, and their abs scrunch up because their natural yeah. skin moves. And then people are like, ew, you look so gross. You look so right. gross right or, there. And almost sort of on the flip side of that, like, I think when it comes to body image, we've made leaps and bounds on representing different body types in the media and different body types as successful in the media. I mean, I think artists like Lizzo to be plus size and black and as powerful as she is and the, the presence that she is, she's really changed the game for a lot of, 
how women see themselves, I think. I mean, Lizzo, um, Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B. Yeah. I mean, Cardi B, Cardi B was a drug dealer and a stripper at one point in her life. Yes. And now she's a multi-billionaire. A lot of Cardi B's songs are uh, autobiographical. Yes, they are. They really are. And a lot of people don't realize that. They're all like, oh, this no. is my jam. This sounds so good. But this girl, this woman is literally <laughs> rapping about her right. life. And it's like, You're why are you why are you twerking to this? This isn't what this is. Right. What are you doing? She's like literally crying out. She's like, I had to strip for money. And there you are with her hand on a pole, just going up and down, up and down. No. Amazing. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that it's still, so I think sort of like now what we're seeing with that plus size, uh, body positivity movement mm -hmm. and, um, that's sort of become commercialized. That's almost the superficial level that like the girls rule boys drool was for us growing up. We're like, I think it was kind of like girls are cool written by men. And that's kind of like the tagline that we got <laughs> yeah. from the early 2000s where suddenly this this manic pixie dream girl, the it girl was like, she isn't like other girls. She likes boy things, but she's still really sexy while she does it. Like She fixes cars in short shorts. But like that's, it was still pitting girls against each other. And I think we are finally moving away from that. And I still think like the the way that body trends have changed we're seeing a lot more variety in sizes but it's still on a very superficial level like airy and a lot of clothing companies victoria's secret was another one that like they seemed to have these kind of body positive positivity movements where like look we have plus size models in our lineups but they don't actually carry those plus no, sizes it's always, like it's not quite as advertised it's always order online trust yeah. me i know and i, I think, know that struggle that struggle is real with me Listen, when I go to Victoria's Secret and I can't find the right size for me, it, it's 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 demoralizing for my life. I get it. It is though, and and so I think, I really think Old Navy, Old Navy really did something when they eliminated the plus size section. Yes. And everybody's the same straight, size. Everybody's the yeah, same. Straight size. size and plus size was just on the same rack. I mean, there's we, there's they just carry all the sizes. You don't have to call it something else. You don't have to make them shop at a different store. I mean, like how there are so many girls my age and your age who were absolutely 100% traumatized by shopping in middle school with their friends. Absolutely. Um, 100%. Shopping with, yeah, shop, shopping with your straight size friends at Hollister <laughs> or American See, Eagle I'd even bother going Aeropostel. into those stores because I knew that I would not be in the correct set. I would not even be in the store. They would look at me and be like, what do you do? Ew. You shop here, yeah. girl. And I mean, I... And I wasn't a big dude in high school. Like, I was a big dude, but that's because I was big boned. I'm not yeah, like what I am now, yeah. where I look like a lineman for the NFL. It's true. I look like look a lineman. Great, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of your Victoria's Secret rant, the new song yeah. by Jax. Yeah. Literally yes. screaming out about it. And Ken 100%. And Kendra had me play it, like, a couple weeks ago for me when we were driving... I, I forget. I think we were going to a baseball game, and we and she played it, and I was like, "What is like?" It, it slapped. Like there was a great beat to it, but then you listen to the words, and you're like, "This is the types of songs that should be hits right now, not you yes. know Cardi B shaking her booty all over the place, but yeah. like songs and like I this." Mean, I think that's also sort of a, a what makes women feel powerful. Also differs from woman to woman. I mean, I think. 
you take somebody like Britney Spears, who kind of was sexualized, I think, by her audience and by her producers, and yes, she embraced it, but I don't think she ever quite embraced it the way that, like, Christina Aguilera, who was kind of pitted her direct competition, felt like she owned it with, uh, you know, her her breakout sexualizing, like, feminine power song was dirty. I mean... Her outfit in dirty, the it's just the chaps and the bikini top. Like she When you wear this to the VMAs. <laughs> yeah. Like Homegirl was brainwashed to an nth degree. And I don't know if it was all brainwash. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if it was either. And I think, With, you know, you, they were Oh, and here's uh, Kylie Jenner <laughs> doing the iconic look. I'm looking for the iconic look. And then here's another one. Oh Yeah. Christina Aguilera's '90s and early 2000s runway. She did, but and I and I think also as Christina Aguilera is another one who I think because she's kind of run the gambit on body types like in those early pictures, like in Dirty, in the music video. Honestly, mm-hmm. she looks ill. She looks sick. She's so skinny in a way that it doesn't feel like her body ought to be. Because of course, there's natural. Like there's something to be said for natural thinness, but she looks like her arm. Here, here. This is after Dirty is like the massive hit. Yeah. There's no muscle definition at all. You could tell that this is just literally somebody who's starving themselves. Yeah. And I mean, she was young and obviously like teenage bodies are blessed. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Teenage metabolisms are a lot different than grown up metabolisms. I miss my teenage metabolism. Um, But I think like when she appeared I can't eat three... Contrap Supremes in one sitting and not gain a pound anymore. Three burritos at midnight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think like when she first appeared on The Voice as a coach, and she was a full-bodied, grown woman, yes. looking amazing, Absolutely. looking fabulous. Looking honestly, amazing. here, like I would want this is this her body. This is my proudest photo of Christina Aguilera, the before and after. Yeah, and she looks so much healthier. And I think there's a lot of stars even that you don't think about ever having had that super skinny phase but honestly like taylor swift is one that i think her rise to fame and i think she even talked about it in one of the documentaries Mm -hmm. um that was on netflix where she was starving herself she wasn't eating and and it shows like when you see her in the music video uh for blank space she looks way too thin and again not in like a cutesy teenage way because at that point she was in her 20s she was a she was a grown woman and I think when you see her now in her happiest and healthiest, like it's it's quite a difference. It, and so I difference. think we just and I, I I follow a lot of I try to follow a lot of diverse accounts and creators on TikTok and be, to see experiences lived outside myself, because I, I did grow up, you know, fairly slender, um, white, <laughs> like. I checked a lot of the boxes for to be considered conventionally attractive mm-hmm. or like attractive enough to not get made fun of for the way I looked. Or if I did, I didn't care because I was out, you know, picking dandelions and looking at butterflies. And that was just, you know, not really paying attention to what everybody else was doing sometimes. Um, so I think when I hear the stories of girls that were shopping in Hollister and they didn't carry their size or, you know, they, they, they like, like that scene in Mean Girls where – Regina's starting to gain weight, and she's trying to squeeze into that size two or whatever. Right, right. And she's like, it's not zipping. And the clerk is like, you can try Sears. Like, that was that was body image. That was body <laughs> image. That was body image. That was body image 101 for all of us. 
And I think yeah. and I think a lot of us are still in therapy because of that too. I think so too. And I think it's like I, like we were saying, I think we have made a lot of leaps and bounds, but I think as people kind of push back against that and companies don't make money when people are comfortable with their bodies. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cosmetic companies Weight loss companies, and, and, uh, and, clothing companies. And, Nobody makes money when people are comfortable with themselves. And I think you're right. I think we're going to start to see in the next year or two the switch. Because we've talked about this, you know, just as friends. I, I think, where everybody is so body positive and all this and all that. And then all of a sudden you're going to start to see, hey, you need to start losing some weight. Here's Weight Watchers and all I that. I think inspiration is going to come back around. And I just hope that we because we're going to be the adults now. <laughs> right, we can control what's being what's being said and we can control the well, narrative of this is how you explain it to kids. Like don't listen to yes. everything that you're watching because it is I completely it is curtailed to what they want you to hear. It isn't this kumbaya that they won't want you and everybody to be happy with. Yeah, and I hope that we can really guide kids to read between the lines and to, you know, like you said, inform them that, like, it, it's all everything that you see in a commercial is a grab to make money. It's not true. It's not how you should feel about yourself. It's it's a way to make money off of your self-esteem. They are building you. They're breaking you down so that they can build you up with their products. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we can read the between the lines. You'd like to think that. But, you know, if we've learned anything history repeats itself when we don't learn so right i hope that we can guide kids through it and i think millennials are actually in sort of a unique position to do that because i think nobody reads between sort of the duality of advertising better than we do because we grew up without social media we grew up with social media like we really had a unique stance to see between the lines of both and my fear for kids down the road is that right now tiktok filters are so good yes oh my They're god so they are good. so good and they get rid of every imperfection in a way that you will never be able to achieve that naturally. Ever. They, they literally but. make me look like I should be on the runway next to Paris right. Hilton, but I'm not. Any line, any pimple, any anything that's on your face that feels like it's out of place, gone. And not in a way that like the Snapchat filters no. did. Where it's you so knew true. somebody's profile picture was filtered, filtered, and filtered again. Yes. You're like, all right, Brenda, we know you don't have cat ears. We know that you are not this person. You need to stop with the fakeness. I get it. Yeah. The beauty mode does it in a really sneaky way and in a way that, again, will never be able to be achieved naturally. But every skincare product company out there is going to have you believing that if you use their product, you're going to look like a TikTok filter. And, again, I hope we can kind of teach kids to read between the lines so that they don't spend thousands of dollars on plastic surgery because it's already happening. Yeah, We kind of touched on this to start, but... Can we go back to the 90s and the early 2000s and the music of that era? Because that Oh, absolutely. Because that music, that generation, cuz everybody always says it's the 60s and 70s especially with classic rock was the greatest yeah. music generation of the the of all the eras. And I'm going to humbly disagree being a classic sure. rock fan and being all that. The 90s and early 2000s was the only time you could probably go to Top 40 Radio, listen to Casey Kasem counting down the hits, or Rick D's in the weekly Top 40s. And there was no genre. Top 40 was literally the best music out there at that moment. We went from Hootie and the Blowfish to 
TLC to Nirvana Nickelback. to Nickelback. <laughs> To Goo Goo Dolls, to Matchbox 20, to Britney Spears. Yeah, you're right. There there really wasn't as clearly defined genres. And on one hand, I definitely liked that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even know if I liked it better per se, but it was definitely different and, and it was good. And it was fun because there was this sort of freedom and fluidity to music. And I think the other thing that's really unique about how we grew up is that we grew up in the generation of fantastic music. I mean, music that was happening in the 90s and early 2000s, amazing. Here's your girl. But we liked our parents' music. Yes. Avril My Levine. girl. Who's also been coming back around. She's been dropping new music. She has been. But you, but, I was so but, excited. But, but we also know there's that theory out there that this is Avril Lavigne. That's come around. There is the theory that, yes, Avril Lavigne died years ago. And what's her name? Melissa, I think, is the the, the doppelganger that took her place. This is the uh, 90s in a nutshell, if you're, if you're watching uh, this. Gwen Stefani with blue hair and Lenny Kravitz looking like Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. 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 But I, I love Gwen Stefani. But I, I, in, 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 in all honesty, I think a lot of things changed when... We started to see TRL come into play, and everybody. I think you're right. And a lot and a lot of people don't realize this, but TRL was the first real music show that ever existed that gave us a voice, and they they were like, "No, you yeah. pick the music." Like you could always request a song on radio, and back then when you called the radio station, there was at least fifty people there ready to pick up the phone. Now. It's all automated, or there's one person there, but they're only there from like 9.30 in the morning until 10.45 because they have six other projects that they're working on, and they don't have time. But I think TRL was the first one to say, no, we're not going to tell you what to listen to. We're going to let you pick what to listen to. And it took whatever kumbaya we had going in Top 40 Radio and completely destroyed it. Absolutely. And I think, too, the like where we really started to see some of the shifts in music was when music videos really started taking off because suddenly you couldn't just be a singer songwriter anymore. You had to be pretty and you had to look the part and people were watching you just as much as they were listening to you. And so if you weren't, in addition to being talented, sexy, then you weren't necessarily going to be successful unless you were phenomenally talented. Absolutely. Again, 100%. there's sort of that conventionally pretty. But I think... Uh, it's almost like the Millie Vanilli yeah. thing, like from the early 90s when they got caught lip-syncing. Yeah. It, yeah. it, was, it wasn't about the music anymore. Once we got to the early 2000s right. and we had the boy band battling, it wasn't about the music yes. and who could play an instrument. It was, can you look good in this look? And so that we could stack you in a, a boy band and put it out as fast as we can. Well, and it was how much money could producers and managers, and speaking of the boy bands, because the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were managed by the same guy. A lot of people don't realize that. pit them against one another. They don't realize that. And he, he actively pit them against one another to have them compete and try to outdo each other. Meanwhile, he sat there stealing both of their money. Oh, Because they were, they were right. also, they were young boys. They were kids. And they didn't know any better. They didn't know how much money. They had no idea how much money they were supposed to be making. It's time for nostalgia again. They were sitting there stealing all their money. Look at this. Okay. I, I know th three of the four, I think. I don't know who's the bottom right corner or bottom left corner. Um, 
Uh, is that O-Town? I can't tell from here. I think so. Okay. Should have worn my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, let's also not forget Hanson, Umbop's um 25 oh years God. old. I, when I when I saw that on GMA the other week, I was like, "What are we doing? What are we doing?" This, this was the. I don't know who that bottom one is. What what is this? Is this what your wall looked like back in the day? Honestly, no. I really was not the stereotypical. Putting all your posters on the kid. wall so that you can gawk at them when you lay down. To be fair, though, I didn't have my own space in my own room because my sister and I shared a room growing up. So, like, we never really got to make it. Like, neither one of us really got to make it our own. It was always, like, ours together. So, Can, can I state that I was really I proud of myself that I guessed that that was O-Town and I was right? That's scary. There you go. That's scary. Look at you. That, no, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. That means that people know where my head was at in the early 2000s, running around wearing <laughs> Abercrombie. That was too small for me. And I was like, I'm fitting into this. I don't care. You can't make but me. I not, but I wasn't a brand name kid. Like anything, like I, and I went to a school where a lot of kids cared about the logo that was slapped on your clothes as opposed to like whether or not it was a cute outfit. Granted, I didn't wear cute outfits either because I, I don't know, I didn't really develop my own sense of style until I want to say like late high school. It was even college that like I would say that I really started kind of finding a style that I really liked for myself. But I'm the middle child. My brother is the oldest. So I think when he he kind of dictated, not dictated, but like he facilitated a lot of our activities growing up. Mm -hmm. And so I think like my sister and I just naturally took on more stereotypically boy activities. Like we played more video games than a lot of the other girls in my class. We, I'd say we played more sports. I didn't really play more sports, but like my sister played more sports. I played them, but I wasn't very good at them. My mom would be proud of me because I finally found... Somebody other than me, the white boy wearing FUBU. <laughs> There's Justin Timberlake wearing a FUBU sweatshirt. Now I don't feel bad about wearing it back in the day. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I didn't care. I didn't have to have no. the, the Uggs. I, I hated Birkenstocks. I thought they were ugly. I'm sorry. I did. Why, why are they I back? Didn't... Like, that's the I part that I don't understand. I never got them in the first place, so I, I can't tell you why they're back. But I, I was not so married to all the brands that were so popular growing up. It, it, so I feel it, like I didn't quite have the same experience that some of the other kids did growing up because I was just sort of my own little like wallflower type kid. It's also amazing how much kids will make fun of each other because they don't have oh, brand God, names. Yeah. Well I went to I, I went to do. I went to a Catholic high school. So Yeah. You know, if you didn't have the if you the, didn't have the polo the polo pony on your on your button down yeah. shirt that you know was oh, 100 I went to a hoity-toity private school too so if you didn't have that logo you weren't you weren't in the cool kids club anymore but i also guess that like boys and girls make fun of each other differently yes they do <laughs> they really do and because girls are sneaky i really could just ignore it like the power move is to ignore it and then that's it like what are they going to do if you don't care they have no power and so i think that just the the cruelty I think I was challenged early on in life and I think I put girls in their like I just I put my bullies in their place young and that was enough to like establish myself as somebody who didn't get picked on. But mm -hmm. people picked on my friends all the time, all the time. And I was always the first one to stand up and be like, what the heck? Like you can't make fun of somebody for something that they can't change. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So speaking about body shaming and you know, morphism and all that, nineties 
action movies, early 2000 action movies. There was one Nothing person. Nothing like them. <laughs> and there was always one person on the poster all the time, especially in oh, yes. like the late 90s. It was Brendan Fraser. Yes. There's a reason the ladies love George of the Jungle. Or, or, or as Kendra said, Blast from the, the Past. Plot. No. <laughs> Blast from the Past, another great one. And then, of course, the Mummy oh, yeah. franchise. Oh, my God. The greatest franchise the ever. I love adventure movies like Indiana Jones, The Mummy, National Treasures 1 and 2. Right. Here for it. And well, Brendan Fraser was like, I mean, he was the it guy. He was everything in the 90s. I mean, this whole cast, hold on. This whole cast right here is a smoke <laughs> show. Absolute really smoke was. show. Literally every single person, every oh, no, bad didn't work. guy even. Oh, no. Like, oh. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're probably going to be like, what are they doing? There we go. Right? That's what I was looking for. That's what we were looking Look for. That. This is just a smoke show. By the way, the meme of, uh, of this guy is hysterical. <laughs> where they're all like, Brendan Fraser was good looking, but every woman was swooning for him. I think everybody was just swooning for the whole cast, honestly. The whole cast. The whole cast. It was everyone. And then, Bad and then, guys, the good and then, guys. And then Tom Cruise decided, oh, I want to make another one. Yeah. Yeah. I like to pretend that that didn't happen. That's kind of like the Godfather 3. Exactly. You forget about the mummy. Okay. So so this is where we're at with Brendan Fraser at this point. Yes. Very and he, different person. And uh, he was the it guy. I mean, he was the action guy. And I think a lot of the stunts that he performed in the mummy, honestly, just wrecked his body i mean like he was hospitalized he, for some time he's he said that he's needed like two or three back surgeries from the stunts that he did in the mummy returns yeah yeah that's well, what it was when they were rolling underneath the rock and the rock was coming down like apparently yeah. he really messed up his back like to the point where it. he couldn't walk at times like they were literally wheeling him into place so that he could continue the scene i think the even wilder thing about the story of Brendan Fraser. So like you hear that and you're thinking, okay, well it beat up his body and maybe he just kind of quit acting. And he did sort of like, like that's kind of the trajectory of how his career went that he took a step back from acting, but, and, and he did have um, a son with special needs. Mm -hmm. And I think he had an ugly divorce that caused a lot of money. But I think what a lot of people don't know is that he was actually sexually assaulted too. I think he was the first, he, yeah, he was he was me too before me too was cool. He, first of all, me too was never cool. But well, he you, was know, me too you know what I meant, like 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 before it yes. became a hashtag, before it became commonplace before. to be be picked up. Yeah, my no, my, my English no no so good no no my English no so good. I know what you meant, you. but yes, he he was, and I think for at the time especially um a, a prominent male in hollywood mm -hmm. would also not have been believed right and, and i think and hollywood the fact that he was brendan fraser right like, and so i think that is what like secretly ended his hollywood career that if he said anything which i think he tried to say something he got blacklisted yeah and i mean this is where the whole full circle that we're now in a space-time continuum where we're back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Brendan Fraser yes. is back to being relevant again for the first time yes. in 25 years. He's got a movie called The Whale coming out. And he's and playing a 600-pound man in this movie, I think. Something like that. And he got like a six-minute standing ovation in Venice. Yes. In Venice. And not cons. I always get the yes. two confused. Yeah. It was the Venice Film Festival. Yes. And everybody well, was just 
Well, every well, he thought that they were applauding the movie. I, yeah, and I then know, and I then and then he cool. realized, oh no, they're actually applauding me, and that's but when he broke he's down. Just, he's such a genuine, sweet guy. It seems. I mean, obviously, I've never met him. I would no. love to. I, th- I think he would be great. This gets to you. <laughs> I think that would. Be, I think he would be a great interview just to talk about Hollywood and things like that. I think he would too, and I think he, you know, he's he's kind of pulled back. He's lived a fairly quiet, humble life mm-hmm. compared to most celebrities, and I'm really excited to see him kind of back in Hollywood. I think we need more. I I think it's just as important to have diverse, honestly, ages and body types for guys Mm -hmm. as it is for girls. And I mean, I think we like to think that it's more and and I do do think it's more egregious some of the (laughs) like age differences between men and women on screen Yes, and some of the roles that women end up with compared to guys that like Women on screen have a much shorter shelf life when it mm-hmm. comes to action roles, except for Charlize. Yeah, Charlize somehow. I love my girl Charlize, and I this... think it's because she only accepts the roles that she wants now at this point, and I think she likes action. Like Atomic Blonde, phenomenal. Isn't, how, she, how... isn't she the one who did that movie where she made herself like morph into like this ratchet person? Is this is she, this who I'm yeah. thinking of? I think so. What I'm trying to think of what movie that was. It was it was the movie that won her the Oscar, and then it was like amazing cause that that she had just finished filming that movie like what three or four months before the Oscars and that got released, and that she had already completely rechanged herself back to the way she looked. Was it Tilly? It might, might have, have been, been Tilly. Tilly. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, but she continues to take on these action roles. And I think it was Scarlett Johansson who was talking about it before. We're like, once women in Hollywood tend to hit or near 30, yeah. they're like, oh, well, you can play moms. Right. <laughs> like, well, or, how do you or, feel about playing the mom? <laughs> or if you're in your mid-20s, you're casted to play a high school kid. Yes. Like in Mean Girls. That's what I was saying. I look for a skincare routine, not one that makes me look like a teenager, but one that I could play a teenager <laughs> on Riverdale. <laughs> Uh, like that's the goal with my skincare. <laughs> what was I watching? Was I watching something on Facebook or, or Instagram that was like Amanda Siegfried said that the one regret she has is that she took the role in Mean Girls because it typecasted Probably. her for so long. It typecasted her as being the ditzy blonde because yeah. she apl- she actually auditioned for Regina George and so she didn't. Low end I saw. Huh? Lindsay Lohan did too. Right, Lindsay Lohan also auditioned for for Regina George, mm-hmm. and neither of them got it. They got different roles, but you know that that didn't hurt Lindsay Lohan, but it severely hurt Amanda Siegfried because whenever because sure, sure. whenever she tried to get a leading role, it was like what well, you're you're not right. All they saw was Karen from Mean Girls. Right, and that and that's that's disappointing because there are so many great actors that get typecasted into certain niche roles that everybody knows like seth yes. rogan has to be a pot smoking yes. you know bearded man it's funny i think seth rogan really shines under the radar as a producer and director a lot of projects that he's been a part of i really really enjoy yes. and he won't even show up on screen and so i think he 
I think he could have shined as a serious actor, but you're right. He kind of he and James Franco got pigeonholed in all their projects together as stoner buddies. Yeah, and they never really got a chance to move past that on screen. And and Jonah Hill has been pigeonholed as the fat guy in all the movies. Yep, and that's unfortunate. Yep. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, the same thing. They're all pigeonholed into a certain thing. Now, I mean, Jonah Hill has done his best part, has done his best to convert himself into somebody different, but Melissa McCarthy kind of embraces it a little bit. Because well, she, she knows that that's her niche. Like, she knows that she is going to be casted for these roles. She does. But the thing is, when Melissa McCarthy first hit the scene, her first, like, big-named character role was Suki on Gilmore Girls. That's right. And Suki actually has, like, the healthiest romantic relationship in the show. Right. She is, like, actually one of the more stable characters in the show. And she's actually really just treated like a person the entirety of the show. Mm-hmm. She was one of the first plus size characters i think in especially in the early 2000s when fat shaming and fat phobia were like <laughs> full swing Tell she me about it. actually had just a normal storyline and nobody was like oh wow you're so lucky for a plus size person like she didn't her character didn't get any of that no. and that was her first role i think and she really got to shine and then from there she just kind of slid into this comedic fat girl role and that was that Brides- and it's a shame because I think she's got a lot more to offer than that. <laughs> Bridesmaids is a top ten movie of all time. I don't care what anybody oh, has sure. to say. For sure. I mean, top ten of all time. Like not even of comedies. Like it's top ten <laughs> of all, all time, time for me. <laughs> and I like a lot of movies. Like my. I do too. So. All right. I do too. What else do we have left? Um. Well, I guess I think sort of on the note of. Uh, size a big part of that concern was food and the fast food industry which fast food in the 90s looked wildly different (laughs) oh i miss the neon colors at taco bell when you sat down in a booth everything was so much brighter then and it's funny because actually and and we talked about this before and i don't think we quite have the time to get as in depth with Mm this um but i think and this is it's september while we're filming this Mm -hmm. and 9 11 had just I happened. think really changed a lot of things in the entertainment industry. And I think suddenly it sort of pulled back this curtain and exposed this vulnerability in America that we really hadn't seen yeah, since because, Pearl Harbor, well, I guess. Yeah, because, like, well, uh, let's think about it. Because all the movies and all the TV shows we ever watched when we were kids were gullible, laughable. They were campy as hell. They, they were, were so, so campy. Cheesy. Well, and... and, and <laughs> You all thought that you lived in this dystopia that, you know, America was untouchable. And for a time, it looked like we were because we had just finished up the Persian Gulf War. Everybody was Mm -hmm. hunky-dory. The only real thing that happened was Oklahoma City, the bombing of the the IRS building there. But it's... You still lived in this world, and then Columbine had already happened, so we knew that there were already nicks in the idea of what america is and then 9-11 happened and you know that changed the perspective on everything the scale that that was that 9-11 was on compared to the other ones but i think columbine because it was internal right (laughs) was america with america's problems right we just pinned Um, it on eminem and moved on right it was easy to be like oh well that's not a real showing of of america and who we are but i think because 9-11 was so big and, and everybody saw it i mean i think talk about a generation that's been traumatized yeah how many of us saw that in school as elementary school students that you saw 
the, the towers, the plane, the people jumping out of the towers. I, was, I mean, like you I can was, just... I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school when that I happened. I was nine. <laughs> right. I, I was nine. <laughs> I, I was a freshman in high school when it happened. I remember exactly where I was when we found out that the towers had been hit in class. So it's funny. I actually like I can't place exactly where I was or I, like I can't remember if we saw it in class or if I saw it at home. Like I, I don't remember where I was, but like just mm -hmm. the imagery is burnt yeah. into my brain. I and I think. Go ahead. No, no, you go. You're you're on your you're on your horse. Go. No, I was saying that I think that that really did sort of pull back this curtain, and all of a sudden, all this vibrant, laughing safety of the '90s and the early 2000s got ripped away. And I think we saw it in our advertising, and and it didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> seventh and Heaven it, wasn't Seventh Heaven anymore. Right. It did those campy, safe, cozy shows didn't feel as believable all of the sudden yeah. because you're like well i don't feel safe right and it doesn't feel fun and i think just everybody was so stunned and so i think even and that's not to say that there's like a direct correlation from the events of 9-11 to the changing of fast food but i do think it just didn't quite feel right and i know that i think the real reason that they were saying that like think back to mcdonald's the yeah. early days of mcdonald's when they had a cast of mascot characters yep. they had ronald they had grimace they had the hamburglar the duck chick right it was like a pirate too and like a couple other characters that fizzled in and out but it was fun and you had these like just exciting like cool disney world type characters right you had you know grimace is grimace is a taste bud did I, you know no that? i did not know that when you brought it's that up one time purple taste bud. there's your taste bud right there there's your taste Ew. bud and then, probably and then, why I'm afraid of mascots. And then here's the family. Here's the family photo. Oh, are these no pom poms? Are the oh, three? Oh, no, yeah, they look like they look like koosh balls. Remember those? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes, 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 yes. You just play with them, and you would pull on that one string yeah. until it snapped. Throw them at your siblings. Yeah, you throw them at everybody. You'd have a good time. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, and I also think that 9/11, and we're going to talk about this in a later episode. How. Kind of started the change into social media. TRL was yeah. also that first real show where you could also talk about your feelings. And Carson yeah. Daly was, you know, not there on 9 11. He wasn't even there on, I don't think they were there 9 12. I think they came back the Friday of 9 11 because I think 9 11 was a Tuesday. And they finally, uh, yeah, and they finally, it was. and I think they finally came back with the TRL on a Friday. And it was all, and it was no music, no nothing. It was just, Teens being able to talk to Carson, you can call in, you could text in, you could email in, but it was our way to figure out what happened. Like, why did this happen? Yeah. And it was yeah. and it was really like the first exposure of like this mass consumption of a huge deal. Like 9-11 was the first time where you changed the channel and it wasn't cartoons somewhere or it wasn't music right. videos or it wasn't you know a food cooking show it was literally everybody was showing coverage of 9-11 you couldn't yeah. escape and it i mean it, it probably also really changed with that like the the news game of how serious news has gotten and that 24 7 news and mm -hmm. news and news and news and interestingly enough i think in like the broadcasting community you'll find that so many people and i get it because it 
was this it was a history altering mm-hmm. moment and every but every person in broadcasting you talk to is like i broke the news to everybody i broke the story <laughs> of 9 11 and i'm like there's no way all of you did first of all no. but i think that mentality of like oh you you have to be first if you're not right. first you're last and i think that has kind of forced everybody to want to jump the gun on delivering breaking news rather than sometimes just sitting on the facts. Social media social media is the reason why TV news sometimes gets things wrong at first. Because you want to be first on Twitter with the information. A a perfect example, as we're recording this, we're getting ready for the Queen's funeral on Monday. And BBC technically tweeted out, somebody from the BBC tweeted out, hey, Queen Elizabeth is dead. And then two minutes later, that tweet was gone, but somebody had snapshot it. It was everywhere. And and they were all and the BBC was mortified because they know they can't say a word until Buckingham Palace puts out the press release that says that it happened. Uh-huh. And so there was this rumor running around for two and a half hours that, you know, the Queen's already gone. Why are we waiting? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we all knew the rules. We all had to wait for the flag to be lowered to half mast at Buckingham Palace and the announcement had to be made. Yeah, and like gotcha journalism, that idea, it's been around since newspapers, yes. like since the start yeah, yeah. of like real print newspapers. But in this society. Competing journalism. But I do think in this society, it's so much harder to tell yeah. <laughs> what's real and what's not. Well, and it's, and it's so much harder because everybody literally wants to be the first. They want to have the right. exclusivity to say, I was actually the person that got it. Right, So right. And I think it's more important to get it right than to get it first, but... I mean, that's what do I know? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, that's most. It's great to be right and first, but <laughs> that's most newsrooms these days. So, yeah, no, no, I know. But uh, I think I think it was sort of these bright, colorful. So the there's sort of a, a twofold here with the um, fast food chains yeah, yeah. that I think. And maybe it was even a little bit before the events of 9-11, but because I, I really don't remember exactly the timeline yeah, yeah. of events growing up, which is what I'm pulling from. It's yeah, just straight memory. But um these bright, colorful mascot characters. Like, the, the, the way that fast food was fun is apparently how they were blaming a lot of childhood obesity within our generation on these fun characters. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think attaching the toys to it, I mean, kids were always like, you we, know, we always wanted to go. McDonald's. Right. We always wanted to go to McDonald's like, to get the Happy Meal. To. You're like, but I want the, uh, the new My Little Pony. I mean, we did it. We wanted to go to Burger King for that gold Pikachu card from the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then. I mean, you got to catch them all. I get it. I completely understand. My mom will tell you that was literally the worst day of her life. <laughs> <laughs> but Which tells you she's had pretty good days so far. If taking her children <laughs> to see the Pokemon movie right. and then going to Burger King to get the gold Pikachu card was the worst day. It's not too bad. <laughs> no, it's not, that's not too bad at all. But uh, it, it almost felt like all the fast food chains grew up at, after 9-11 yeah. for a while. Because yes. now we have clean lines. Everything yes. is minimalistic in these restaurants because that's what we as our generation likes. But there are now restaurant chains, Burger King being one of them, who all of a sudden is like, you know what? Maybe we need to go back to the retro look, which is now their yep. normal look again. And yep. and slowly but surely, everybody's going back the other direction because, like you said, about body disform, uh, uh, you know, being dysmorphia, dysmorphia yeah. and, you know, Body positivity is great now, but in about five years, we're probably going to flip the corner, flip the coin, and Weight Watchers is back in fad. The same thing's going to happen here. Yeah. Now you got to train the young kids 
that, hey, you want to come to McDonald's. You want the toys. You want to play at the Playscape again. Yep. So I think, I mean, I would be excited to have kids sort of have a childhood again because I think childhood has gotten a lot shorter. I think millennials actually had a very unique childhood in that our childhood got sort of extended. Yes. Almost into our 20s that I think we... Because we, you know, the the generations before us, like, and, and Gen X a little, like, the younger end of Gen X, I think, is right yes, there with millennials. Yes. Um, but even more so than Gen Z, I think our childhood was extended because we didn't grow up with the internet right. immediately. Agreed. It wasn't right in our hands, so we had that slow-paced, don't come home till the lights go on kind of childhood. Mm-hmm. We all did. I mean, uh, old people like to forget that. They're like, back in my day. And I'm like, you know, we had that, too. Right. <laughs> Um, but, also, but we also had the internet, yeah. and I think because we we the, the economy crashed <laughs> when we were teens, True. and we couldn't we couldn't start our lives the way that our parents did right out of high school. Mm-hmm. We're like, it wasn't uncommon for them to graduate high school, start the career that they're very likely in now, get married and have kids that, all by the time they were twenty five. That's the other thing is the fact that you know. Our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, they were taught get married as soon as you find your high school sweetheart and find that career that you're in forever. Whereas our generation kind of was the first one that opened our eyes and were like, why are we rushing into everything? I think it was a combination of opening our eyes to to that where we're like, well, what if we don't want kids yet? Or what if we want more? And I think as women certainly got a lot more freedoms. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, women couldn't buy a credit card in our own name until, like, the 70s. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I knew that. I think I did. Yeah. But that's still sad. It wasn't until, like, the 70s that we couldn't open credit cards in our own name. So uh, I think as more of us started working more jobs mm-hmm. and we were like, we can't handle house and job and kids. And we were discovering who we were, too. And I think we, like, we have a much stronger sense of self, I think, than a lot of previous generations. Yes. But I also think because the economy was bad when we were 18, you couldn't start a career because we were getting turned away. Truth. They were like, well, you don't have that degree, so we can't hire you. So we're like, well, okay, we'll get that degree. Right. And so we come back, we, and we're like, okay, we've got this degree. And jobs were like, well, where's your experience? And you were like, I don't know. I was getting this degree. I don't have it. You, you wanted like, us. Well, we can't hire you. Right. You wanted the paperwork. So we, got, <laughs> we got stuck in this awkward, like, second adolescence, I think. Mm-hmm well into our 20s, which I think Gen Z didn't get because they have grown up with the internet pretty much in hand. And I think the internet has really shortened childhood. Exponentially. Of all of the access to mature content. And whether kids know it or not, and obviously they're going to seek out stuff that feels a little bit mature for them. But, like, sometimes it really is too mature for them. And I think that, like, kids don't have an awkward teen phase anymore because – there's all these YouTube tutorials and all these style icons that they have immediate access to where like we had to go through magazines and publications <laughs> and there were several layers to get to celebrities right. for us where now they have instant access to celebrities, but almost a second tier of celebrities with influencers. Yes. They're much closer to home and they feel much more accessible and more like yes. the fast fashion version of celebrity. Every, every, everybody <laughs> wants to be a celebrity. We all knew that that's been the lifelong goal since the nineties and early two thousands. Everybody right. wants and to I be think, a celebrity. I think the rise of reality TV really planted that idea in a lot of our generation's head. It's just, we grew up a little bit before in influencers were cool. Mm-hmm. So we never had the chance to do it 
way that the kids behind us are. But I think that access to this fake perfection right. is taking away these key growth moments that you learn in childhood. And I think the fear of making mistakes because Gen Z is being watched. They're afraid that if they're mis if they say something on camera, if they record any stupid mistake, it's going to come back down the road because somebody's going to be like, "Well, back in 2022, right. you said right. something right. that's right. now right. considered homophobic right. and hateful." And you'd be like, "Well, I was young and dumb then, and I didn't mean it." But and you don't. But you don't know any better. They're so afraid of making yeah. right, and they're so afraid of making mistakes that they don't even allow themselves to they don't even try and i think it's like you learn critical skills you learn much faster by making mistakes yeah. than you do by being a a, yeah a lot of people don't realize hey uh <laughs> the camera's always rolling when you're an influencer when you're trying to be a content creator nine times out of ten the camera's always on and a lot of yeah. people and a and lot of and a lot of these teens don't realize how much work goes into actually being a content creator to being an influencer oh, absolutely but absolutely you know, beggars can't be choosers right it is. I think this is a good right. place. I think this is a good place to, to 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 wrap this one up. I think so too. So if we touched on any topics that you that you have more to say about, please let us know. Put it in the comments. Yes. Tweet at us. Tweet at us. You can see our, our Twitter handles at the bottom. If you don't, uh, it's at Mike Lichniak and at Leah Rizzo on Twitter. And um, if there's any topics that you'd like us to talk about, throw some ideas our way. We're right. always looking for ideas. So, and um, I think, yeah, we're getting ready to we'll, we'll wrap this one up and we'll catch you with our next. What are we doing next time? Have we have we um, figured it out yet? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> it's either we're doing TRL and we're going to do how TRL is the start of social media. I will. I think, yeah, we're, I, I will, we're either diving deeper into one of the topics that we covered today or we're going to kind of mix it up so we don't just stay in the 90s because we don't want to have people think like, we guys only talk about the 90s. Right. No, <laughs> we will talk about everything with this podcast. But we, so we will talk about a little bit about everything because we, we had discussed like maybe helicopter parenting as an option because I really do feel for, for Gen Z and even what's it that is Gen Alpha the ones behind them? I don't know. I think, do I look like I'm that Gen smart? <laughs> Well, because here's the thing. I keep saying Gen Z, and it's the same thing how everybody was, like, talking about millennials. Like, we were children, yeah. and we're, like, actually, we're 25, actually, we're 30. Like <laughs> We're actually applying for mortgages at this point. <laughs> right, like, actually, we're adults. And so I don't want to do the same thing to Gen Z, because, like, I think Gen Alpha, they're probably, like, what, 15, 16, 17? Like, they I might be so. the teenagers, teenagers of today. So, um, and I feel for the, I, I feel for them. Let us be your older siblings. Let us be your cool older siblings. Yes. Like your cool aunt and uncle. Let us do that for you. It is generation. <laughs> we'll buy you alcohol. We'll buy you alcohol. Right. Tell you cautionary tales. So <laughs> millennials are from 80 to 94. Gen Z is from 95 to 09. And now Generation Alpha is from 2010 to 2024. Ew. I can't believe there are people born in 2010. <laughs> or in 2022. I know awesome see like babies are fine if i'm like all right you're a baby but if you're like a 10 year old and you have like thoughts and opinions and you're like i was born in 2010 i'll be like mm, no don't say that to me but again post comment say hi yes please interact let us know what you think tell uh, us tell us, us if we're awesome tell us if we suck <laughs> say tell us what you think we can work on constructively constructive criticism constructive criticism not just criticism <laughs> we like the constructive part <laughs> but yeah but you know we'll take we'll, we'll take the criticism so next time uh, come come with your snacks and we'll keep yapping yeah thanks for having
for hanging out with us.